A Girl's Life on Board a Man of War by Bessie Chandler. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista. A Girl's Life on Board a Man of War. In the first place, there are no front steps or doorbells to a man of war. We hadn't even a number and a door plate, or a gate and a front yard. And yet, there was yard enough, the whole of the navy yard, shut in from the city by its massive iron gates and high yellow walls. I used to wonder why the government was so fond of yellow paint. It isn't one of the national colors. It isn't even clean-looking. And it is only lately that we have accepted it with sunflowers and ginger jars as being artistic. But whether it is in fashion or out of fashion, Uncle Sam sticks to his yellow paint, and his yellow paint sticks to all the buildings and walls of the Navy Yard. Were you ever in a Navy Yard? It is like a miniature city, with its roads and neatly kept walks. It has great blocks of buildings, too, and machine shops, storehouses, stables, officers' houses, and even a little fire department of its own. But I think we children like best the old ship houses, enormous sheds built over ships in all stages of completion, from gaunt skeletons with their thick live oak ribs up to hulls that looked almost ready for launching. Many of them were begun during the war, but will never be finished. They belong to a bygone period of naval architecture. Sometime they will be broken up, and the iron and copper taken out. But if the old ship houses had been built for the purpose, they couldn't be better places to play hide-and-seek and I-spy and in. They were full of dark, mysterious corners, and the great ship in the center was such a good thing to dodge around. There are piles of cannonballs here and there, all over the navy yard, generally neatly arranged in a pyramid with one hundred at the bottom and one at the top. We used to try to calculate how many were in each pile, and as the answers never came out the same, it was an endless amusement. Many of the posts are old condemned cannon, the breech-end driven into the ground, and the muzzle aimlessly holding a ball several sizes too big. Somehow they always made me think of pathetic little roast pigs with apples in their mouths. There is one little square in the navy yard where various trophies are arranged, such as models of famous ships captured, torpedo boats taken in the war, and rebel rams. We never meddled with these harmless old things, as I now know they were, but they seemed to us then very deadly and mysterious. Then there are the granite dry docks, which are like a ship's hospital, and nearly always some patient was having her wounds dressed and healed, and her system toned up. Down the steps of the dry dock, the gas pipes still run that were put in during the war, when, night and day, the workmen were busy building and repairing ships. All this was our playground. Our home proper lay in the water quite a distance from shore. It was a very comfortable feeling at night to know that a burglar would either have to swim out to us or bump against us in a boat, and either course put him to so much trouble that he preferred to stay away. At least... We never saw one. 
close to the ship's side looking very like a baby in its mother's lap was a little square boat called the scow it ran on a rope between the ship and the shore taking us back and forth as often as we wanted to go at a signal from the shore it would come over looking more than ever like a toddling baby in leading strings as it lurched along on its rope perhaps i ought to explain that in the words of pinafore i was a gallant captain's daughter and my father had been ordered to command the ship for three years a captain's quarters on board a receiving ship are very roomy and pleasant and he is allowed to have his family with him the receiving ships are old men of war that have done gallant duty in their day but are in their old age safely anchored in port while their younger stronger sisters do the cruising about our ship had been in battle and we could see the places in her bow where the shot had torn away her planking and it had been repaired with new i used to shut my eyes sometimes and think how she must have looked in those old war days no pretty cabins then no flowers growing up on deck or birds singing in the window no she was stripped for action then the decks were cleared and the guns ready grim resolute men stood by each cannon's side and the deck was strewn with sawdust to catch the blood they knew would flow and the brass plates in the deck over which we walked each day with careless feet were yawning holes through which from the magazines below they passed up powder and shot looking up at her side from the water was almost like looking up at the wall of a house and not a very hospitable house either for there was a row of little windows on either side and the muzzle of a wicked-looking gun stuck out of each we went up the side on a regular stairway and not hand over hand on a rope as some people used to think and when finally on board i think one was more impressed by the bigness and cleanness than anything else the broad deck was as spotless as a dutch housekeeper's pantry and the brass work shone as no patent polish except the old-fashioned one of strong arms can make brass shine here and there was a sailor in his picturesque dark blue dress a marine paced up and down the deck ready to escort or direct you with all the civility of a broadway policeman and another one guarded the cabin door the deck was roofed over but with such a high airy roof that it was more like a church than anything else and from every one of the ports one saw the shimmer of the sea we had a pretty little parlor not unlike any other except for the low ceiling and great beams overhead and it was quite as full of the pretty useless little things that in some way produce the subtle atmosphere of a cosy home as any land parlor i know of there was a pleasant dining room where no smell of cooking ever came for the very good reason that the kitchen galley as we called it was three decks below we slept in french bedsteads and used stationary wash stands and we could take salt water baths in our own bathroom think of a salt water bath that doesn't imply a bathhouse and a bathing suit a crowd of observers and the total wreck of one's crimps along one side of my room ran a broad transom which is a kind of sofa built into the wall one of the windows opened directly upon it and it was pleasant to lie there of a summer afternoon and look down the bay ferry boats were constantly passing their big wheels churning the water white and leaving a broad rippling wake 
while sailboats flitted noiselessly along, and now and then some college boatman glided by in his fragile, silent shell. The gulls were always flying about. Away down the bay were the forts, and the water constantly tapping against the side of the ship made the most soothing of lullabies. There were many very convenient and often amusing things about our way of life. For instance, it was funny to throw things out of one's window and not have them lodge on the sidewalk or in the front yard. The scraps and rubbish all floated out of sight instantly. But now and then we lost something that we really wanted. I remember sewing on some fancy work by the window one day when an impish little breeze whisked my ribbon from my lap and bore it triumphantly away. I had only time to make a fruitless clutch at its wagging blue tail, for in a moment my four yards of new satin ribbon floated out with the tide. Hove overboard became our family slang expression. It was used on all occasions when a thing turned up missing. Afterward, when we came to live on land, we all had to fight against the tendency to throw newspapers and boxes into our neighbor's gardens, the hove overboard instinct being strong within us. Every morning the marines were drilled on deck, and we were never tired of watching them go through their different evolutions. Then every week or so we had fire quarters, a sort of rehearsal of what would really be done should a fire break out. The hose was laid, men were stationed, and shouting enough was done to conduct the biggest kind of a conflagration. The upper deck, in summer, was to us what piazzas are to landfolks. It was always cool under the awning, and very clean, the deck being holy-stoned as all the decks were every week. The holy-stoning was done early Sunday morning, and the scrubbing interfered sadly with our naps. We could have taken such long ones and still have been in time for church, for the church was on the ship too, only one deck away. It was a very informal little church on the gun deck, and consisted of a few benches drawn up in line, a flag-draped stand which answered for desk, lectern, and pulpit, and a melodeon played by my sister. The chaplain of the ship conducted the service, which was always impressive. On either side, down the long deck, were the great guns, pointing through the open ports at the sunny bay, which flashed and sparkled, and was never for a moment still. The ceiling of this deck was very low. That is, no one but an exceptionally tall man would have bumped his head. But we all bowed, as the traditional goose does in going through a barn door. The beams overhead were quite thickly studded with iron hooks, from which the sailors' hammocks hung at night. Sometimes in the evening some of the sailors wanted to sing, and they would send one of their number to ask my sister if she would play for them. She was quite a little girl, with long wavy brown hair, and it was a pretty sight to see her at the melodeon, a ring of sailors around her, while one lantern hung overhead to a hammock hook lighted up the scene, giving quite a Rembrandt effect. As a rule we saw little or nothing of the sailors. They were constantly being enlisted, trained, and detailed for other ships, which were fitting out to go to sea. Now and then one deserted, which always caused a little ripple of excitement. I remember one old quartermaster who was quite the pride of the ship. He was an old man with long, perfectly white hair, and generally sat on the upper deck with his little kit of sewing utensils beside him, 
mending or making flags he was always singing a hymn and visitors were quite struck by his appearance and indeed he looked like the ideal sailor but alas he was only a figurehead and was seldom allowed leave of absence for his worst enemy a black bottle waited for him on shore and it was days after he had had an outing before he was able to sit up again his saintly face beaming as he made his flags and sung his little hymns sometimes salutes were fired from the battery in honor of a distinguished guest an admiral the secretary of the navy or the president we rather enjoyed that but we were careful to see that the frailest bric-a-brac was set well back from the table and to take down the decorated plates from the wall for the firing jarred the whole ship as we grew older we had many parties the materials being right at hand under the same roof the hard smooth decks were the best kind of ballroom floors there were plenty of flags and bunting for trimming there was a brass band on board and partners galore in the shape of the officers whose bright uniforms always added to the picturesqueness of a dance but the great trouble with navy life is that it doesn't stay put once in so often someone at washington gives the kaleidoscope a turn and so everybody is in a different place so after three happy years like little joe we moved on it was a sad day when with our respective shawl straps and bundles we left the bare stripped cabins and went over the side for the last time and across in the little scow to the carriage that was waiting on the dock as we drove off each tried to see the last of the old ship her flag fluttered faintly in the wind as if she too felt badly at the parting and could only wave a feeble good-bye and so our halcyon days on board a man-of-war were ended end of a girl's life on board a man-of-war by bessie chandler recording by james k white chula vista